Welcome to the Spur Leadership Podcast. This is episode number eight. I'm John Nidell. I'm here with the founder of Spur Leadership, Mac Richard. Mac, grateful, pleased, humbled to be with you. Appreciate John, the opportunity. John, it's fun to be with you, man. Absolutely. Appreciate you being a part of it. Yeah, so for this episode, you know, let's just kind of reintroduce Spur Leadership and Absolutely. what it is. You know, how did it come about and why is it something that you That's felt a great led question. To, I to think start? we we kind of launch uh, I guess this would technically be maybe episode season number 2, but you know, the whole Spur Leadership idea John really was born out of a, a season of just a real season of change that we went through as Lake Hills Church many years ago uh, as the church that I pastor. You know, we went through a, a real season of change. I kind of describe it as a tectonic shift where there was a lot of change, a lot of turnover of our staff. And I was really looking for handles. We have a very young staff as, as churches go. And I was wrestling, you know, struggling to figure out how to process the changes that were going on and how to stay healthy and keep moving forward. And it was about that time that I came across a, a passage in the Bible that, that I'd seen a hundred times before, but it says, it's Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And John, when I read that, it was like a two by four across my forehead. I was like, that's <laughs> it. If we, can, if we can lead through this season of change with love and good deeds, take care of our people and make sure that we're still moving the ball down the field, we're still doing real work and real ministry, then we're going to be just fine. And as I started processing through this, I, I bounced this off of, the, of a good friend of mine who is at Dell Technologies now. Like I said, this was years ago. And it's Steve Price, who's actually spoken at our Spur Leadership right. Conference several times. is a great, great guy. He's now Director of Human Resources for Dell International. So, I mean, that's... That's a lot of people that he's responsible for staffing and deploying literally around the world. But when I ran this idea by him, I was thinking, I said, you know, Steve, this is, this is our challenge as Lake Hills Church, but I think it's also the challenge you've got even at Dell. He said, Mac, there's no question about it. He said, if we take care of our people and get stuff done and we stay on the same page, we are that much more effective. And candidly, he shared with me, you know, that that's, that had been a lot of the challenge that Dell went through when, you know, the tech bubble burst and they, their stock quit splitting every six months. He said, that's one of the things we, we made a lot of people wealthy, but it was a tough place to work a lot of times. And since then, they have really, really drilled down into the culture. And so this principle of spur leadership, uh, of love and good deeds, of community and accountability seemed to be something that applies everywhere. And the more we talked to people, the more we ran this and kind of trotted this idea out, the more it resonated with people, you know, small business owners who are members of our church to people that have never walked in the door of a church before. They said, man, if I could, if I could create a, cult, a company that had that kind of a culture where they took care of their people, you don't have to walk in the door every day and say, hey, I love you. But I've got to know that my best interests are what you're thinking about. And that if I know I work for people who care about me, my family and what's going on, I will put the hammer down for the mission of that business. And so that was really where it started. And that's really what birthed the podcast was, I think, whoever you talk to, the business part of business is the easiest thing that anybody does. I know in ministry, it's, you know, preparing a sermon every single weekend, that's the easiest thing I do. 
it's it's where you start leading and loving people, taking care of people who have different motives, different needs, different challenges, different circumstances in their life from day to day. That's where the real challenge lies. And so I felt like because it's so universal, whether you're in, you know, the whether you're in ministry or you're in the marketplace or you're in the home place, some of the toughest leadership in the world is at home. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but that's also where the, our great opportunities lie. And mm-hmm. so I felt like that was something. And so we we just kind of rolled this ministry out and started just trying to do everything we can to help people see themselves as contributors to whatever culture they're a part of. Like I said, whether it's at home or in the marketplace or wherever, and that they have a role to play with their particular influence. And, you know, a lot of people disqualify themselves from the conversation of leadership, but we've all got influence. Somebody somewhere is watching you. And so we felt if we can help people do that better, more deliberately, more intentionally, then they're going to be better off. The people around them are going to be better off. And as a result, our world's going to be better off, which right. is really a, a great, you know, it's a, that's part of what we're supposed to be doing as, as people of faith and, and people who are following Christ is to help add value and bring value, real lasting value where people live day in and day out. How much do you think the misperception exists among amongst people that, you know, in order to be a leader, you need to be in a leadership position? I think that is a great question. I think most people assume that the title carries the weight. Mm-hmm. And I just I just know for a fact, because I've seen it over and over and over again. You know this, John. I, I'm I'm not necessarily old, but I'm certainly not young anymore. You know, I just turned 51 years old. And so I, I've seen a lot of people, I've seen a lot of leadership fads come and go. But when it's all said and done, it's about influencing people. And the way you influence them originally, initially, is to show them that you care about them. To show them that, hey, yes, we've got a mission to accomplish as a church or as a business. But ultimately, I care that your welfare, that your family, that your life is being helped, is being improved, is being enriched by being a part of this team, whatever the team might be. And so whether I've got the title of CEO or mailroom attendant, I've got an opportunity to make a difference just in the way I conduct my business. Just, you know, from the, if, if you want to call it the lowest rung on the ladder or the, you know, the farthest circle out or whatever, however you see the organization that you work for, you can make a difference every single day just by how you present yourself how you talk to people. We've got a great, great team around here that takes care of our grounds and our facilities. Mm -hmm. When they come in to like the conference room where I usually am, you know, when I'm in the office, I love seeing those guys. They stick their head in the door. They're smiling. They go, Hey, is it okay if I take care of these windows right now? I'm like, dude, bring it on. (laughs) I, and that's just one example. I don't think any of those guys aspire to be the pastor of Lake Hills church. But man, they they carry the culture everywhere that they go. I love being around those kind of people. I want those people on our team. And by the way, because they're so awesome to be around, I really do care how their families are doing. I really do care. What are the challenges that they're facing? But that's a choice that they make. That's a choice that I make. 
day in and day out. But I think those are the little things that a lot of times, particularly in business, get left behind. And, and, and we leave them behind at our own peril. But you can, anybody can care. I think right. that's, that's, to answer your question maybe more succinctly, anybody can care. Mm-hmm. Anybody can walk in a room and smile. And, and I'm telling you, people think I'm crazy. There, you cannot underestimate the value of a smile. It just says, I'm glad I'm here. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and when those guys or whoever on our staff or on our team, that energy – and, and I'm not going, you know, flaky new age on you. I'm just saying that bringing that kind of passion to just an exchange. Saying, hey, how are you doing? It communicates, I really do care. Mm-hmm. And anybody can care. And if you care and, and you care about the person and you care about the work that you're doing, I promise you, your influence will grow. It will increase. Now I'm thinking, did I was I smiling when I walked into the room? <laughs> I don't remember. As a matter of fact, you were. Okay, great. I remember. <laughs> So since you started Spur Leadership, and you know, in order to start something like that, you obviously have been a leader for a long time in, in many different respects at home, at work with the, with the church and and other things. But I imagine since starting it, you've learned a lot of things about leadership <laughs> yeah. from people who have come to speak, from people you have spoken to about leadership and interviewed. Yeah. What are some of the things that you've learned just over you know since starting Spur Leadership? You know, I I think the first person that I have learned the most from. It's interesting. That's, I've never really thought about it until you put that question that way. The, the first person that I think of is the person I've learned the most from since Spur Leadership was born, and that's my wife, Julie. Julie it is one of the greatest intuitive leaders I've ever been around in my life. And fortunately, I get to be around her a lot. But Julie... She's really, she's really an interesting, she's a fascinating personality. You know, she's from South Mississippi and she's sweet and she's got the drawl and all that kind of stuff. What, what a lot of people don't know behind the drawl and the smile and all those things, which are real, she is easily, easily the smartest person I know. I mean, and it's not even close. She's also funny. She's in beautiful and all those great things, but Julie's so smart, but anytime she has been in a leadership position, she led, she started a Girl Scout troop when our daughter Emily I was like kindergarten, first grade. And I remember watching her spinning the wheels of leadership with a with a room full. I mean, they had a troop of like 23 second graders. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. Like people go, Y'all should split that group. And they were like, No, we love this. But I remember Julie figuring out how to lead, not just the girls, but the moms of the girls. And she was always so deliberate about how the meetings were going to go, how, what they were going to say, what they were going to do. And she was very deliberate in leading the moms to lead the girls and saying, hey, we set the tone. The girls are going to follow our lead. They would, do, you know, they would do a camp out every year. And Julie would gather the moms together who were going on this trip. There were volunteers. They didn't have to go. And she would say, just so everybody understands, it's hot is a cuss word. We will <laughs> not. It, it, we live in Texas. It's right. not a surprise to anybody that we're going to be hot. And by the way, we're all going swimming and we're all putting on our swimsuits because these girls are going to watch their moms have fun and get out there and make and take chances and swing from the rope. And, do, and so going looking back, Julie, I don't think ever would have stuck up her hand and said, I'm a leader. Like I would have, mm-hmm. you know, but 
she is so intuitive. And since then, her leadership here in our church has grown. Um, her footprint in in where we go in our direction, our vision as a church is 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 huge right now. Um, thankfully, but she always brings an enthusiasm and a genuine concern for the individuals that she leads, not only the group and what's going on. She started a ministry called Fearless Mom years ago and has watched that take root not only in our church, but in churches literally around the world who do remote groups online. That all came out of her vision, but ultimately it comes out of her her heart and her passion for helping moms help kids. Right. And so I, that's a long way around the barn, but I, I think Julie is the one I probably learned the most from since Spur Leadership was born. Um, Steve Price that I mentioned earlier, Steve is one of these guys that I, I go to on a regular basis because, you know, working for a company like Dell, Steve has done the quantitative analysis of leadership. You know, in a company that large, they've got to be able to prove the numbers. But he always brings it back to the people. He always, always, always brings it back. And most of that is because of his faith and what drives him day in and day out. But somebody like that, that, uh, you know, has such a massive responsibility, a massive job, who really does care about people, has been an incredible asset. And just a, he's such a, he's such a, a plus in my life to have, you know, on speed dial, somebody I can call and, you know, based on his schedule and mine, we can get together. We don't talk every day or every week even, but when we start up again, man, it's right back where we left off. And I think those relationships that have happened out of Spur Leadership, for me and for others, mm -hmm. that's really the magic of Spur Leadership. I think, I think the conference that we do and the events that we do from time to time, they're great, but it's ultimately about those relationships that are born and developed out of those gatherings that happen. And I think that's obvious. I think honestly, that's one of the, that's one of the opportunities we have to do a better job at, at creating those opportunities and right. seeing those happen. And, and part of the challenge of that, and I'd, I'd love for people to, you know, send us notes on, on our Facebook page or whatever. But I think that part of the challenge is nobody has too much time on their hands. Everybody I talk to, and particularly everybody that has been to a Spur Leadership event, they've loved what, what they've gotten out of it, but nobody has said, hey, could we do this every week? Because I think everybody is so busy and moving in so many different directions. So for, for us to figure out kind of what's the sweet spot of, two, of not too many, but not too few events, um, I, I think is, is our great opportunity going forward. One thing I find fascinating just about the topic of leadership is you mentioned your wife, Julie, and she's in leadership positions at Lake Hills Church, Fearless Mom, and then, of course, in the Richard household. And then you mentioned Steve Price at the same time yeah. being a leader at Dell and in the business world. And that those two people and those two roles, they have something to offer in terms of speaking about leadership. And no matter what position someone's in, they can learn from someone else who's in a leadership position different from oh, the absolutely. one they're in. Oh, absolutely. I think that's part of the fun to me. You know, I, I grew up in a church and an environment where leadership was talked about very deliberately. And, and almost, it was just kind of in the air that I breathed. I grew up in Houston at Second Baptist Church, and Dr. Ed Young, who was our pastor, he's still the pastor of that church, and still pushing hard 
Um, but I was just kind of around that all the time. When I got out of college, I went to work actually for Dr. Young's eldest son, Ed, at what is now the Fellowship Church. And Ed, I never worked for his dad, but I will tell you, Ed is the most intuitive leader I've ever heard of. He just he just has a gear. And so I had nothing to do with getting to be around that horsepower of leadership. Mm-hmm. And but I do think that God kind of put that in me. I think that's that's kind of how I was wired up was to figure out what needs to happen and help make it happen. And and that obviously that 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 can work for you and against you, but I I've always kind of had that gear for leadership even from, you know, when I was a kid. Everything that happens, I kind of run through the filter of leadership and go, how does this apply? What can I learn from this setting in this scenario? You know, one of the one of the things I got to do when our kids were young, this was this was a, a really fun experience for me. I was asked to be on the what they call it at their elementary school. I got to be on the campus leadership team, which was basically a group of parents that the principal called together and said, "Hey, I want to I want to meet with y'all. I think we did once a month. Maybe I can't remember how often we met. It wasn't that often? Mm-hmm. Maybe once a month." And he would bounce ideas off of us, tell us what he was thinking, and he. His name is Charles McCaslin, phenomenal leader, an elementary school principal, and the one of the nicest guys you have ever, ever met. But we were in that elementary school for seven years, from when Emily started to when Joseph graduated fifth grade. It ran like a top. I mean, it was unbelievable. I thought, and you know, the longer I was around and watching, I was like, you know. He's he's super sweet mm-hmm. to be around. He ain't that nice. He and and it wasn't that he was ever heavy-handed behind the scenes. He was the same person. Right. But he made sure that the trains ran on time. You know, he was an incredible leader. But I loved getting to be in that environment and not being in charge. That was actually fun for me. I mm-hmm. I I told him I said, "Look, I'm here to help you do your job better because if you do your job better, my kids are going to have a better, every child in this school is going to have a better experience and not here to help you do your job better. Like how can I find where you're falling short, but literally how can I help? And that was, that was one of the most fun. It was called the campus leadership team, but I really kind of felt like that was an opportunity for me to say thank you to him and his staff and to help him. This guy's forgotten more about elementary education than I'll ever know. And so I wanted to I wanted to get out of his way and help, you know, I wanted to, you know, grease the skid so his job was easier and he could do what really mattered more. He could do more of what really mattered. That's great. So I, I think you do. I think you, you learn from everybody. Mm-hmm. And then to transition to this podcast and Spur Leadership, kind of what, what is your vision about the podcast and how that kind of plays in with Spur Leadership as a whole? It's a great question. I think it actually segues beautifully out of the conversation we were just having about Charles McCaslin. My hope, and, and candidly my prayer, is that the Spur Leadership Podcast helps people lead better wherever they are. That that through the guests that we have on here, the the conversations that we have, the interchanges that we can have on Facebook and other you know channels or whatever, or through the Spur Leadership website, that people will actually be encouraged that they can make a difference. I think, I think that's one of the challenges. I've, I've seen this with a lot of people in our church. 
I'm talking about people that have been committed Christians for a long time, great people, men and women, but they feel like, how do I, how do, I do something during the week that really matters? Mm-hmm. I get all fired up, whether I'm in Bible study or a, a small group, but then I got to go to work. And, you know, that's just that's just how I pay the bills. And, and I and I understand that. But part of what I hope happens out of this conversation that's ongoing is that people see their work as a huge opportunity to make a difference. Right. And if if calling your job a ministry freaks you out, don't call it a ministry. But it's a ministry. You know, you've got a chance to influence people for the positive Ultimately, you know, because of your relationship with Christ, if you're a Christian, but even if you're not a Christian, what we're going to talk about, it works every single time. There is no place on the planet that this, that these principles, these, this paradigm of spur leadership of love and good deeds, community and accountability, there's no place that that doesn't work, particularly over time, John. I think... This is one of the things, anything can work briefly. You know, you, you can make a lot of money in a short period of time without being trustworthy, mm-hmm. without caring about people. It happens all the time, I know. But you can't build anything of substance that really matters, that makes a difference over time without really and truly considering how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Right. And and really and truly choosing to care about people. And, and the great thing about this is it's absolutely within the grasp of every single person who will ever hear this podcast or anybody they'll ever meet. You can choose to really care about people. Now, I think part of the challenge is, and this is true for us in the church as well, but it's true everywhere. The challenge is how do I how do I integrate my concern for the individual with my concern for the group mm-hmm. or the organization as a whole? Because sometimes those needs are there in conflict with each other. Right. Sometimes an individual and the group or the organization, their, their needs are not on the same page. And again, I think that comes back to leadership. I think that's the responsibility of the leader, the person who maybe does have the title, to say, okay, have I communicated clearly to this guy or this woman? Have I communicated clearly what the expectations are and how they connect to the overall welfare of this organization? Because that's my my responsibility is to the whole. And if if you know, and we've had this in our you know in our church not very often, mm-hmm. but there are times when people come in and they've got a they've got a set of motivations or desires that are maybe just not exactly in line with who we are as a church and what we're supposed to be all about. And our job, whoever it may be, whether it's their direct supervisor or or me as the pastor or whatever, our job is to help them see what the what the overall goal is and what the vision is and to invite them along to invite them into that process not everybody's going to want to make that journey not everybody's going to want to be a part of that so then we have the responsibility to say okay your your actions what you're actually doing not what you say but what you're actually doing 
isn't parallel. It isn't in, you know, lockstep with what we've kind of already agreed on is the, is the mutually agreed upon goal. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about how we can get in sync. Or if that's not something that you're down with, let's figure out a way for you to get somewhere where that is what you want to be doing. Right. And, and I think that is ultimately – that's actually ultimately an act of love as well. Now, not everybody receives it as an act of love. And I'll, I'll say this. I haven't always delivered that as lovingly as I should have. But I, I've tried and I'm getting better mm-hmm. at making sure that those conversations happen sooner rather than later. And everybody's given the opportunity to be heard. And, and I think that's that's really the key. So I kind of chased a rabbit there a little bit, but I, I really believe those principles transcend arena. It goes beyond ministry. It goes beyond the marketplace. It's true as a dad. You know, my, my right. kids are now, one's graduated college and one's still in college, but, man, it, it, not that long ago where we would have these heart-to-hearts and say, hey, the way you just talked to your sister, we don't do that in our household. Or the way you just talk to your mom, that's not a long-term plan for success for you in this household, <laughs> you know. Um, and and obviously, as a dad, I blew it more times than I care to admit to myself or to anyone else. But I know that I did. Um, but I think if you if you can lead from a position of how I'm going to help you be everything God created you to be, I'm going to help you be everything that you can be in this organization or in this family. You know, Emily said something. My daughter said something to us recently. She just graduated college last spring. And she said she, she kind of got reflective as her college career wound down. And she sure. was thinking about life in the real world and all those kind of good things, which she has since decided to delay by going to grad school, which is funny, but it's great, too. I I'm, did that, too. <laughs> I, yeah, and so did I. Um, so it's not a slap, but it is kind of funny. I don't mean it's not funny. Right. Um, but she said, you know, she goes, I didn't always like what you and mom were telling me to do or not to do. She goes, but I'm looking back on it now, and I never wondered whether or not you were telling me for my best interest. Because I knew, I always knew that that's why you were correcting me or coming down on me or, you know, hammering me or grounding me or whatever. I knew that it wasn't because my performance reflected poorly on you or certainly because you were the pastor of the church, you wanted what was best for me. And so while I didn't always like it, I did learn over time that I could trust it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a parent, you can't ask for a lot more than that from your kid graduating college, Um, especially when you're as aware as, as I am of how many times I blew it. But I think that same principle needs to be the one that we convey to the people that we work with that I'm not always going to tell you what you want to hear, but I promise you, I'm telling you for your best interest or the best interest of the organization, which we've kind of all said we're in this together. Right. And so I I just think if, if we can help people do that better day to day, let's say Monday to Friday, I think all of a sudden that component of their lives comes alive. And I think a lot of people are just going through the motions at work. And that breaks my heart. I love what I get to do every day. But if you if we can help people not just go through the motions, but really and truly get better at their job as a means to communicating value to other people, 
I just don't see how everything isn't helped by that. Yeah, and what, going back to what you were saying about Emily uh, and speaking with her as she was growing up and, and then her coming back and saying, you know, you, she knew that you always had it, her best interest at heart. I think a lot of that probably comes just from watching you over the years and how you parent and, and that sort of thing comes from the fact that you're not you're disciplining, but it's not being done out of anger, and there's right. not a sense of... That's not to say that it wasn't ever done right, out of anger, because right. like I said, there were times that I blew it, but... but there's an explanation of, here's, right. here's the expectation, here's where you missed, and that And here's be, why. Right. That's the key. I think that's the last step that a lot of times we miss, either as parents or as leaders. Tell people why. Mm-hmm. Why does this matter? And, and a lot of times I know I, you know, people around here would be, I'm sure happy to share with you. I don't always do that. We, we move at a pretty fast pace around here, but I try, I try to be aware of that. And if I can't tell somebody in the moment, I, sometimes I will say, Hey, we can't do that. And I'll tell you why later, but just for right now, don't do it that way. And, you know, most people, we've, you know, we've got a, we've got a pretty, we've got a very, very healthy staff dynamic right now. Um, and, and I think most people trust that even if they don't always understand the why behind it. But I think the more we can tell the why behind anything, the better off everything's going to, which also means by the way, you got to have a why you better be able to identify it and not just say it just, you know, because I said so. Right. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap up. Mac, appreciate, uh, all your thoughts on, on leadership and we look forward to the next episode. We're going to talk about your book, The Trust Protocol, which yep. comes out uh, November 7th, everywhere uh, books are sold. And then, of course, Friday, November 10th, you got a Spur Leadership Breakfast. Yeah, up. we're very excited about that. That's going to be an event where I'm going to talk about the, the book, The Trust Protocol, which really was born out of Spur Leadership, but talk about how that matters specifically in the marketplace. It's, it's, it's an event that we host here in Austin that – you know, for, for people who maybe aren't quite ready for to go to church on Sunday morning, this is something that we host at the church, but it's not a church service. We don't right. sing any songs or take an offering or anything like that. <laughs> but it's very, very, you know, marketplace focused. And, and I'm excited to talk about the trust protocol at that breakfast. Well, I just got my book today. I'm looking forward to reading it and looking forward to the next podcast. For more information on the book and on Spur Leadership and on the breakfast, you can go to spurleadership.com.